Welcome back to the Outdoor Adventures Podcast. Today in the studio, I've got John Gaderos. What's going on? We got co-host extraordinaire Dylan Williams. Happy to be back. Happy New Year, gentlemen. It's 2024. First time back in the old podcast studio. How was your holidays? Go ahead, Johnny. Let's talk about your holiday. Yeah, it was good. Just spent some time with some family and... That's about it, really. Refresh the tank. Yeah. Dylan? It was all right. I a lot of Christmases. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to juggle that with the families. Yeah. Hunted your Willamette tag a lot? Uh, yeah. Other than that one day, the last podcast we did, yeah. yeah. When we kept you up like three days in a row and didn't let you sleep? It took a lot of the wind out of my sails, I think. Yeah. Kind of ended it after that. Note to Taya, don't leave town. We don't let Dylan sleep when you're out of town. Hey, I don't mind it. Hey, you know, you, there is a story. I wasn't going to dive right into this, but we probably should. Let's talk about your uh, Carl's Jr. experience. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that next, I think it was in that next day after we stayed up, did the podcast, and then I went hunting with you. Yeah. I think it was, I worked that night, and then that next morning, we were planning on going hunting after work, but I couldn't do it. I did tell Sam, no, thank you. Um, so I wake up. I fall asleep. As soon as I get home from work, I wake up at like, I don't know, one thirty p.m., 2 p.m. And I have blue or green and red all over my hands. And I'm trying to trace it around. It's going up my arms. It's on my chest. It's on my legs. It's on my blanket. And I'm so baffled at to, as to what's going on. And I so I check my phone to see what time it was. And I see that I had a DoorDash notification from 30 minutes ago saying your order has arrived. So now I'm going, oh, no. <laughs> I got a problem. So I had no idea what the order was. I walked to the front door, opened it up. It was Carl's Jr., two bags of Carl's Jr. So I already know. I don't want to look at the bank account yet. Um, oh, get back. I'm walking back to the living room, and I still haven't dove into what this blue and red or this green and red stuff is. And I look on the ground, and there's just a trail of M&Ms leading me to the living room. And then I look back to the kitchen, and they continued from the cabinet through the living or through the kitchen, the dining room, into the living room, and stopped right by the couch. It's like a blood trail of M&Ms. Yeah. And then next thing you know, then I'm starting to feel something on my back. And I'm like, what is happening? I reach up there, and there's just this glob of chocolate stuck to my back, molded on there. And this is on, the, on just your back, not on the couch. Yeah, this is just the back. Mm. And it's probably a four-by-four circle of chocolate just jammed on. And I don't even like M&M's also. So this is a different thing. And also, I fell asleep in the bedroom. I have no idea how I ended up on the couch. I don't know when that happened. Don't know when I ordered food. And don't know when the M&M's got brought in to play. So... The the moral of the story is you go three days without good sleep and is you're a different the yeah sleep you start door dashing in your yeah. sleep yeah tell tell us about the order too yeah so then I get to the couch I start also haven't cleaned anything up yet 
because I'm so messed up in my head that I'm like, well, I guess I'll eat this Carl's Jr. first. Well, it's still warm. You got to get yeah. to it. Well, it wasn't warm because yeah. it sat on the cold front porch for 30 minutes. That's true, yeah. Um, open up the first bag, just a plain old double cheeseburger, um, large onion rings, and then the second bag, like I thought it was, I was going to have like 40 items in here. Open up the second bag. It is a piece of chocolate cake <laughs> from Carl's Jr. <laughs> didn't even know that was on the menu. I didn't. Yeah, I, well, I knew it was there. I never ventured that way. How was it? It was good enough to eat, <laughs> tell you that much. <laughs> Three days of no sleep, that chocolate cake looked yeah. amazing. And, yeah, and I got like a, something I wouldn't drink, like a, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't remember what the drink like was. strawberry but, mister? Yeah, so I hammered that stuff down real quick and then thought I probably should clean this up. Yeah. And then I looked at the couch and it was covered in chocolate. It's a good story, and it does lead us into uh, some of our topics for today. So we're going to deviate a little bit from our normal podcasting. We'll see where the journey takes us. But um, I was having a conversation with one of my customers the other day, and she and her daughter had purchased a home about three years ago um, when interest rates were lower, prices were cheaper, and her daughter's a teacher here locally. And the daughter was the only one on the loan. Mom was helping out with down payment and stuff like that. And I told her, I was like, man, it's so good. We got you guys into that property before everything, you know, went up. And, uh, you know, rates and because I go, she wouldn't have been able to afford to buy now. You know, I go, the hard part is I meet with these folks and they're first time buyers and they don't have a lot of money down or, you know, they got some car payments and stuff. And I can't get them qualified for more than 150,000 and there's nothing to buy for that. So, um, and then when I do get them qualified for, let's say 350, they're staring at $2,500 mortgage payment in the face. And so most of them get sticker shock. So we started talking and we were just, you know, rambling on about various things, but we were talking about how generationally everybody gets this food delivery service, you know, everybody gets their food delivered. And I was like, you know, it's weird to me that, you know, you got a fast food joint around the corner and you could go drive and get it and save that, whatever the fee is. Cause I go sometimes like Grubhub and Uber Eats and stuff, aren't you paying like 10 to $15 premium for that delivery? I think it depends on where you get it Yeah, and how far away it is. And yeah. if you have subscriptions and things like that. But I, I go, man, I just don't get that. When people are tied on money, why are they spending that? And she goes, Sam, they got nothing else to look forward to. It's a party every night. Hey, we're going to watch a movie. We're going to play video games. And I got food coming. It's coming to the house. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I mean, it's kind of sad, but that's kind of where we've gone, at, you know, from a affordability perspective where it's like the only thing to look forward to is Uber Eats and Grubhub. Yeah. Well, we dove into the DoorDash thing, my wife and I did, um, right after Blake was born. And it was just, she was such a tough baby. It was the convenience for us. It was like... I don't want to go to town. You know? Yeah. Well, and if you, with fuel prices being as high as they've been too, it's like you start factoring that and you're like, okay, well maybe this pencils. And whereas people in the past, you know, the thing that would, people would go out when they were feeling like they needed something like, so like in my world, when someone couldn't buy a house and they were like, I need, I'm going to go buy a new car instead. Well now cars are getting darn near the price of mortgages because those have gone way up too. And then with the interest rates going up, people can't, buy that anymore so the next step is Grubhub. yeah yeah that's the next best option i think yeah i mean i think hunting gear might yeah. fill that void for us but 
yeah. or guns for John yeah. to add to the arsenal. Uh, Johnny and I got in a good time too. I mean, we've talked about this a lot with the house buying stuff. Oh, you guys did. Yeah, you guys yeah. timed it well. It was about the same time, four four years. Yeah, roughly. Like that. Yeah, it was yeah, perfect time. The market was still good and the rates were still good. And yeah, and you guys got a lot of equity going already. You yeah. know, so it's, I mean, I'm not against home ownership. It's the best time to buy a house is when you can afford to do it, right? So it's, if you can afford to do it now. But so I, I got my wheels turning on this. And one more thing I want to say, shout out to my sister. She got married. Uh, to, and so Naomi and JJ got married on New Year's Day. So congratulations, guys. Heck yeah. Congrats. congrats. Happy New Year, newlyweds. The Reams, Mr. and Mrs. Reams. Yeah. So, yep. They good got luck, her done. JJ. Beautiful pictures. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, he's a good dude. He's going to be good to my sister. And he, if he doesn't, you know, he's got four... You know, brothers and my dad to deal with so no pressure jj you're a good guy just yeah, i'd be kidding. scared of the old man before the four brothers I yeah think. i would too <laughs> yeah <laughs> he he definitely uh yeah he's good to my sister and she's good to him so i'm excited for him um but uh the other thing that happened on new year's day because remember i've complained about it on the show a few times last year i didn't buy my sports pack so this year, I was going crabbing on New Year's because Charlie didn't want to buy a shellfish license. He didn't want to spend that $10.75 because he'd gone all year without one. He goes, we're not going crabbing in December. I'm not buying a shellfish license. I've made it all year. So I go, well, how about January 1st? And he's like, yeah, let's do it. So I got Charlie, my buddy Chuck, and my buddy Bill. And Chuck's got a, I think it's like a 15-foot kind of fiberglass type boat. And we had nine crab pots and rings. And we went out in, in the bay in Newport. And we got about 25 crabs, but the high tide was at like three o'clock in the afternoon and we got kind of a late start. So we didn't get over there till like one thirty, two o'clock and the tide was already in quite a ways. So we got out there by the time we got the pots down, we only got three poles before it was getting dark at like four thirty, <laughs> And we're like, uh, we better get off the water boys. But I mean, we got 25 crabs and we had fun and I bought my sports pack. So it was an excuse to get all my stuff and get rolling. So. Yeah. Well, okay. I want to ask you this. So have you, what was your total price, you know, of 2022 for all your tags? Cause you ended up buying basically everything. Of yeah. The sports pack. I bought a bear tag. I bought a $75 elk tag after season started. So that hurt me pretty good. Um, I got a mule deer tag. I got a fishing license. I didn't buy my salmon steelhead, but I also had the combination hunting fishing, which I think that's like 97 bucks right there. So I guarantee you I went over the 19650 for the sports pack. <laughs> so yeah, I won't ever make that mistake again, you know. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah, I thought I could do the a la carte and save $7 and yeah. Well, I just loved that when we were talking about it before season started when you were buying your stuff, you're like, I never go bear hunting, blah blah. blah. Fast forward two months. Yeah. Like, I bought a bear tag. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I still got a report on that tag. I never hunted it, but uh Speaking of ODFW, I noticed Kurt Melcher, the head of the ODFW, is retiring. So I might put in for that job. Yeah, you'll get it. You know, I went in for city manager Lebanon, and they turned me down hard. But I don't understand why, man. You're such a good fit. I didn't even get an interview. But you sure um, got it. Yeah, maybe running ODFW. That's like the ne next best thing, I think. Yeah, and I feel like I could be like, can I give tags to my friends? And that'll yeah. help me get the job for yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My plan is literally just to abuse it and uh, 
<laughs> just give everybody I know tags. Yeah, I've seen a lot of these state guys that just do weird stuff. So that's I just want to hand out tags to a few. Can I have like a hundred free tags? Or <laughs> no, I think I could. I mean, I have a fish and wildlife degree. I could. Yeah. You know, we could do some three pointer better units like we've always talked about. Yeah. New ideas. But anyway, back to uh, how things are more difficult than they used to be. I I pulled some stats. And I kind of tried to focus on Lynn County and not like national statistics. And so in 1993 in Lynn County, which is where we're at, the median income was $29,504 a year. And in 2022, median income around here was $67,265 a year. And so the price of a home though, back in those days, so in in the 90s, homes around here were selling for around 67,000 bucks. And in 2022, the median home price was 395000 So from an affordability perspective, you look at that, um, that house is six times your annual salary today versus back then it was about two times. And that two, two and a half times of your annual salary to purchase home like nationwide kind of held from like the 50s all the way through the 90s. And then something started changing and I don't know... Obviously, there's a supply and demand component, you know, but housing has just gone crazy and there's no solution to it. Um, you guys are Gen Z. You were both born in the later 90s. I'm Gen X. I was born in 1979. And so um, I looked at just the populations. Everybody talks about boomers. Um, and the boomers, there's 68.5 million baby boomers. There's 65 million Gen Xers like me. And then you got 72.25 millennials in the millions, 72 million millennials. And then your generation is 69 and a half million people. Jeez. So it's a lot of people, right? And I mean, that's the, the global population is pretty crazy. Last year in 2022, there was 144 million homes available. So... That's demand. If you look at it, my generation, and we'll just use round numbers, but let's say roughly each category is 70 million people. So there's 70 million of Gen Xers, 70 million millennials, 70 million Gen Zs. That's 210 million people. If they're all trying to buy houses and there's only 144 million available, then that's going to create that demand yeah. and it's going to push that housing up. And so that's created that affordability and almost... I won't say it deflated, but people are, are frustrated. And I, I think in our country, there's a lot of things that divide us, unfortunately, you know, like this whole Republican Democrat, you know, obviously in my opinion, both sides are broken and there's problems with both sides of, you know, that two party system isn't working other than to create division amongst Americans. And I always grew up with this ideal of, you know, America is the greatest and I'm proud to be an American. And I still, still am, you know, I appreciate our veterans and all the things they do to keep us safe. And I, I, I feel blessed to be born in this country and there's a lot of good things that we have to offer, but where are we going? You know, and that's kind of what I wanted to talk about it. And you guys both represent Gen Z. So how do you guys feel as just people growing up in this time, like, like what does your future look like? I mean, what is it? Does that weigh on you or? It, it does to sense like, I'll give an example about the house stuff. So um, once we saw those prices raising for homes, 
um, I just we just got our house remodeled, and I went to you and Kyler, and I was like, hey, I, I mean, this is time to sell it, sell it. Mm-hmm. And you gave me the advice of, okay, where are you going to go? Because with the money that you're going to get and the down payment you'll have, you'll get the exact same house for more money somewhere else. So, like, that alone is a little worrisome that it's just like you bought this one house, that's it, until you figure out something or you win the lottery, basically. Yeah, especially when you couple that with the rising interest rates. So, like, if you know, when you bought, rates were in that three to five percent range, and now they've been in that six to eight percent range. And so, if you were to sell, you'd make money, you'd have that down payment, maybe you could pay off something if you wanted to. Um, but then you go to buy that next one, and that rate's so much higher that you would still see an increase in your payment, you know? Yeah. So, it's like, it used to be my mindset, and it still is to a point, is once you own real estate, no matter when you got in the market, as long as you're selling and buying at the same time, you should be in about the same place. But that only works when interest rates hold flat. I mean, they held flat for so long. And then these last, you know, 18 months, they've just been chucking up. And, you know, I do think they will taper back down, but I don't know if we're going to see twos, threes, and fours again, you know? Yeah. So when I think too, like, John, we have great jobs. We make pretty decent money for, being as young as we are and in good position with great benefits and all that kind of good stuff. But, um, it's expensive to live, you know, especially, you know, John's just married. I'm obviously married and we have a second kid on the way. Like it's expensive. It's terrifying. Yeah. And what do you, and Johnny, you can chime in too on just how you're feeling about things, but it's, it's also like what I think is, um, for my kids, what am I going to give for, what are my kids going to have? You know, if this housing thing keeps going, are they ever going to be able to own homes? You know, and it's, I I don't know the answer to that. Or are they going to have to relocate to somewhere in the country that's more affordable? Yeah. Because I love our state. We have a lot of nice things to offer as far as, obviously we all like the outdoor stuff, the hunting and the fishing and the weather. And we don't have storms and tornadoes to worry about. And we don't get the extreme cold or extreme hot and, you're an hour from the ocean and an hour from the mountains. And, you know, we got all those things that we all love about the state, but, you know, it's becoming, we're getting priced out of it. Yeah. You know, as locals that have been here our whole life. But, well, and speaking on behalf of Jacob, too, I mean, that dude makes more money than both of us. And is he going to be able to buy a house? Yeah. You know, like it's, he doesn't make much more, but in with overtime and stuff, like he's making a really good living, but. How's he going to afford one? It doesn't, I don't, like, I don't, I don't know. Like, even grocery shopping and stuff, like, we went to Costco yesterday. We didn't even fill up a cart. I remember filling up two carts with my parents when I was a kid, and it would be $400. Yeah. We barely filled this cart up, and it was $460. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Costco, you can't leave that place without spending 200 <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know? No, you're not getting out of it. And then you'll get a hot dog on the way out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, at least that's cheap. Your, your return on investment there is pretty good. <laughs> I love that so much. You go get a slice of pizza, drink, and a hot dog, four bucks. Right, exactly. <laughs> no, people eat there all the time. Oh, yeah. Uh, Johnny, what are you thinking? How are you feeling about things? Yeah, I think that, I mean, that's the part you worry about is like the future generations is like, you know, what are they going to do if it's like this now? Is it, you know, hopefully it's going to get better, but I mean, you just never know. You never know what's going to happen. So that's the scary part, I think. 
Yeah, it is. It's just it's hard to know what what we're gonna what the future of this country is going to look like. And obviously there's political things and who knows how that's going to play out. I used to always be that guy that was like, yeah, whoever's in power doesn't really matter. You know, like my life is the same no matter what. But now I've learned that obviously there's can be big shifts one way or the other and they divide us all. And that's the thing that frustrates me is Americans, we've got to like stand up and rise up and unite. And when do we decide that enough is enough as far as, you know, we have these legislators that make these laws and these rules that we all have to pay for and they're living on our back and they don't pay taxes and they have lifetime retirements after serving four years and they're in the 1% richest people in the country and they're making all the rules that we all have to live in. Oh, and by the way, they cheat all the time on everything, but we they don't get held accountable. Yeah. Like if the private sector ran our businesses like the government runs the federal government, we'd, they'd shut us down because it's so disorganized and there's so much waste and so much chaos. Yeah. And, and I'm not dogging on it is what it is, but I think that's also the problem. I think the mindset of Americans is like, well, I can't change it. It is what it is. And you got your blinders on and you're just trying to pay your bills. Yeah. And I, that's what they want. They want to keep us like, and I mean, they is always a weird thing to say, but the reality of it is it's like, what, what is our country supposed to be? I mean, to me, I, I, you know, you go back to the constitution and some of those things and it's like the whole point was the freedom and being able to build a life for yourself, that American dream. And I just feel like that's a lot, harder to accomplish these days well and for me too like i love my job i love where i'm at but i still feel that constant pressure of it's not enough so like i'm still looking even though i don't need to be but i'm looking for that next step like okay well it was tight this month is that how it's always going to be is it just going to keep getting more expensive should i find somewhere else to work that pays me a little bit more that keeps me away from the family a little bit longer than this one does and then you have to like weigh those pros and cons now, but also you need to be off food and table to eat. So yeah. you got to pick. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to balance it and to try to figure out what you're going to do. And I, I did a little more research on a few things cause I always, I'm going to bounce around a little bit today, but I, I've been trying to focus on some of the health stuff cause I, I do feel the FDA is not doing a great job at keeping our, I'm just going to say, I I think they're fairly corrupt. You know, I think like the food and drugs that we consume and that we put in our body, I think it's whoever pays them the most money gets to do whatever they want. You know, and I don't think they regulate our food in a way to keep us safe. And I don't think they do that with drugs either. You look at the opioid crisis and all the other things that are happening in this country. And it's like, when you have to protect yourself from the people that are supposed to be protecting you. And the hard part with that is there's a big cost to do that. If you try to eat clean, you know, and get away from processed foods and canola oils and all these things that everybody talks about that are terrible for us. And, you know, do you go to the Carl's Jr. and they're cooking all your food in that canola oil? Oh, don't bring that back. Up. <laughs> uh, but, but I'm just saying, like, they they do all this stuff that we just kind of accept. And granted, I we like that stuff. Like, I mean, from a flavor perspective, everything tastes good, you know, but how much damage are we doing to our bodies? And I've been kind of, 
I won't say waking up to it because my parents have been talking about it for years. My dad's always been a believer in like grounding and mom and mom's always talked about staying away from GMOs and processed foods and, you know, and I just think I'm trying to eat a little cleaner and just be a little healthier and it's everything in moderation and, and that balance you're talking about. Like you still, I'm still like when you're in a hurry and want to go buy a pizza or whatever, like you're going to yeah. do that, you know? So. Well, same tying into the hunting thing. This is our best way of, for us to eat clean and eat food that we process yeah. and we take care of. So that's, that's the best part for us when it comes to the hunting thing. Like, you know what you're getting, you know, the quality of that meat. Yeah, exactly. And you're controlling that food source or if you have your own garden or, you yeah. know, I think the more you can control the better, but it's hard to do it on a scale to where it makes sense too. You know, like I've got these small amount of sheep you know, and I finally ate some this year and it was delicious. I loved it. But the cost per pound on that is just astronomical <laughs> and the time allocation, you know, but, um, you know, just one example too, if we compare the U S to Europe, uh, Europe doesn't allow growth hormone. Uh, there's a drug called ractopatamine. I don't even know if I'm saying that right, but it increases lean muscle in the animals and that's allowed in the U S not allowed in Europe. Um, potassium bromate, which makes our baked goods wider and makes them look bigger. Um, that's what Dylan does. Yeah. (laughs) You just douse yourself with potassium bromate. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Makes you look bigger though. I mean, uh, you're more intimidating. That's what he meant. Yeah. Yeah. And then brominite vegetable oil. It's used to keep flavors from separating in beverages. Alestra, the fat substitute. We've all heard about that. Remember those potato chips when everybody was eating the Alestra chips and they were heading to the John? You know, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and then there's another one, acidocarbon. I can't even say that, but it's used for bleach flour um, and coloring agents like red 40 and yellow number six and yellow number five and blue number one. All those things are banned in Europe, but they're in all of our food around here. Yeah, I've had a lot of red 40. Yeah, red 40 is my favorite. Yeah, and, and the thing about that is like, why? Would you not drink a Mountain Dew if it was just clear? Does it need to be yellow for you? Uh, no. Yeah. If it tastes the same, no. Yeah, so that's, that's the, the thing. thing. I don't get that. And I do think we are, I mean, I think consumers are driving that. So I think more consumers are being more conscious. And then those people that are putting out those products are starting to be like, hey, none of this added. or not. You see that in labeling a yeah. lot more often than we used to. Like when, So my generation, when we grew up, the internet was just coming out. So it was dial up and we're sitting on the computer and it's like, you're trying to see a picture or something. It's and you had that modem go, you know, it was a different time and you guys, it was already there. Right. So you grew up with the internet and the bombardment and YouTube. I don't Was YouTube a big thing when you were growing up? Not till a little later. Yeah. Um, I don't know when it started to become like a huge thing, but it wasn't anything early on, no. Yeah, and we all love the accessibility, but it's also like overwhelming too. And you can get an opinion on any subject or any topic on every possible side. Like you can have all these guys saying all this stuff is bad for you, and then you could find another YouTube that says all that stuff's great for you. Like Red yeah. 40 is awesome, you know? Like- <laughs> I think the other thing is those too, it's just about who people want to believe, Yeah, you know? And whoever wins that battle with has the most support is going to come out on which one, like what substance they can use, what substance they can't. 
Yeah, and I think that um, at the end of the day, it seems like it always comes down to money yeah. in our country. It's not about like the health and safety of our population and living our best lives, which is what you want to believe. Like the whole time growing up, I was that was what I always thought. Like the country's out for my best interest, and they want me to be a thriving citizen, and they want you to just pay taxes and yeah. you know leave them alone. <laughs> yeah, know? basically. Yeah, stay out of trouble. Yeah, and so it's a. It's a weird dynamic, and I, I don't know. My mind was just thinking about it, and I've been listening to other podcasters talk about this sort of stuff, and it's like they're all so angry, and they're all typically on one side of the aisle, and they're yelling, and they're they're so fired up about it. And maybe I am too, but I I think like it doesn't have to be so divisive. I think all people are people at the bottom line, and we all kind of want things to be better. Yeah. So it's just how do we define better, I think, you know, yeah. and people have different ideas of what that looks like. Yeah, I think they all, you know, we all want the same thing. I mean, certain people will take a different route to get to that, you know, same topic. But I think generally we all want the same kind of end game, I guess you could say. But yeah. Well, well, it's also, too, like it's about how much work somebody's willing to put in in order to be to where they need to be right. to be successful. Like a lot of people... Now I think where internet is a poor thing is it's letting a lot of people escape from the work side of things mm -hmm. and get into this mindset of, well, it's their fault. It's not my fault. Mm -hmm. It's their fault. This is so expensive. Yeah. And you're bl but, the blame game. Yeah. And all it takes is some hard work to get you to that next spot. Like you fill out a freaking job application and go work and then move up. Like that's all you have to do. Yeah. And I was watching a YouTube the other day where this guy was like, all you got to do is buy 10 rental properties before you turn 30. <laughs> and yeah, maybe like whatever this guy's generation was, that was affordable because you could get in with a lot lower price point, a lot lower down payment. But the reality of it is people are just trying to be able to buy one, yeah. you know, let alone 10, you know? Yeah. And so Good it's, God. and there's a lot of judgment between generations and everyone wants to blame everybody for everything. And the reality of it is we've all, we're all a part of this in one way or another as consumers, you know, like, and I don't, I didn't pull any stats on like world hunger or anything like that, but you go to Vegas and you see these mountains of shrimp and mountains of crab. And, and I always think when I'm there, which isn't very often, how much of that stuff gets thrown away every day? You know, how much of that ends up in a dumpster? And maybe they do a really good job of recycling it into other things. And maybe they make dog food or cat food out of it or who knows. But um, in my mind, I feel like there's so much waste and the way we allocate resources Yeah, uh, when we could be doing a lot better with it. Yeah. And back to the point too of, you know, using that internet as a source of, I'll just say complaining about how things are going. Mm -hmm. um, what are you, what are you doing as a person to make it better each yeah. day? You know, like what, what are your steps in order to make something better? And it's not going to be on a wide scale. It's not going to be solving it in one day. It's going to take a lot of time and you're going to have to get other people on board. But is complaining the right answer just to have everybody else complain with you? Or is it better just to try to actually make the change on your own and doing what you can as a person each day and try to get more people to follow that same lead? Yeah, I like that. I like that. How do I plug into my community and make it better? Yeah. You know, what can I do as a citizen and an individual to make the, the lives of those around me and my own life better? Yeah. You know? 
how do I plug in? What things do I need to get passionate about? And we're all going to have different components, but if that was your mindset, imagine how much better things would be. Yeah, I think um, today's world, like in our, my gen, in our, John and I's generation, uh, struggle with having leaders. I think is the biggest thing. Like, mm-hmm. you don't have very many people just standing up taking charge of over something. It's always they're too worried that somebody's going to talk down to them or make fun of them for doing something. Like if you're passionate about something, just go out and freaking do it and get it done. And you're saying leaders from within your generation, like nobody, or even leaders from older generations. Well, I think it's, I'm, I'm just talking based off of our generation, John and I's generation. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's a lot of people that are actually trying to lead in order to get something done right and successfully. Because you do get criticized no matter what you do. If you're in leadership, Someone's yeah. going to love it and someone's going to hate it. And oh, someone's yeah. going to say, you should have done this different. Oh, yeah. and, and the few times that I've been in the position to lead, um, I was the president of our Rotary Club a couple of years ago. Whenever somebody would come to me with something negative about a project I was doing, my concept was always, well, why don't you you show me how to do it? You mm-hmm. know, And it wasn't like in a passive aggressive way, but it was more like, if you think you can do this better, by all means, step up and do it. You know, and I'll be here to support you all the way through. Or if, and, or, or, hey, that's a really a good idea. Let's let's make that tweak. You know. Yeah. I mean, and it's being open to how do we make everything better. Um, I always romanticize about like the 1950s for some reason. Like in my mind, um, pre, really even 40s and 50s, like pre world. It really probably has to be 40s, but pre World War II kind of thing, because um, like plastics really came into the market after World War II, and we've all heard all the things about how we're breathing in all this microplastic and how, you know, we've seen the oceans and all the mess that plastics have created. And so I was like, man, if we could go back in the time machine to pre-plastic and, you know, you could buy the house, you could buy the car and one income, you're smoking cigarettes like crazy in every building, yeah. you know, <laughs> but I mean, nothing was perfect, but I think it's odd how like, you know, there were some things that were really bad in construction materials like asbestos that we all know gives us cancer and we stay away from. But these plastics and these food additives and stuff, we also know, but we're still just like, well, it is what it is, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know. And I'm not trying to be negative. I just wanted to have kind of a dialogue about this yeah. stuff. Well, I think too, like what you're saying about the pre-World War II, that's, you know, when you brought up the cigarette thing, nothing is perfect. And I think now there's a lot more of those alternatives that are not perfect than back then mm-hmm. that people have created and developed and made new things that have causing harder life for most the common person. Um, but I don't think that the that the country's ever going to be completely in the gutter. I, everyone goes through a slump. I mean, you know, and it always happens. Any country, any nation. A freaking Derek Jeter goes through a slump. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like it they come out of it. It just yeah. happens. It's one of those things. And if the other thing I think is, you know, as a Christian, uh, a lot of Christians have always said, Hey, this is the end times. Like Jesus is coming soon. And they've been saying that for two thousand years. And the Bible says nobody's gonna know. And I think as Christians, oftentimes that's a way for us in the Christian faith to just be like, oh, this is the end of days. I'm just going to pray, which is nothing wrong with praying. Don't get me wrong. But the reality is then I, th- it's almost like a way for you to disengage and not do what we're talking about and get plugged in and try to make a difference where you yeah. can. 
you know, and I'm not trying to dog on anybody, but I also think you have to have faith in one, one thing or another. So if you aren't a Christian, you're not saved and you believe that the world got here with a big bang or whatever, however, whatever your beliefs are, that's taking faith, right? And if you believe in a creator and in, you know, that Jesus came for all of us so that we could have a pathway to heaven, uh, that takes faith too. But right now with where things have been, the, another stat I saw the other day is default rates on credit cards for people under 40 are the largest they've ever been in the history of our country. And because people were spending, 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 but then not paying it back. And people are stretched to the limit. So like, if I didn't have faith, it would be hard for me to like, like, because the way I believe, I believe that, you know, there's a plan for everything and God's got a plan and he's got a way out of this for us. But um, I'm just throwing that out there. So if anybody, you know, has questions about that and they want to reach out, I'd be happy to talk to them. I do have a question about it. Yeah. Um, Have you noticed... Because you you know you go to church you do you do you do it all you reach out to people you talk to people have you noticed less and less people falling towards that faith? I mean I think people are more open actually right now because Good. of hardship and so like when I pray and I'm talking to God about things I'm saying hey God you know if this is what you got to use to wake people up to your kingdom and who you're all about and you got to shake their lives up then I'm okay with it. You know, cause I'm always, I'm a question. I always have question the why to things and nobody's going to totally understand God's plans and why he takes us through different things. Yeah. But, um, I think people are pretty open-minded, but at the same time, because we are spoiled in this country, most of us can get food, water, and shelter fairly easily. And if we don't have that, there's resources available for people. And, um, we don't have the hardships that a lot of other places have. And so it's easy for us to build up a callus against Jesus. You know, we're just have this firm thing that he's got to break through. But I believe deep down in people's subconscious there, you can't get away from it, but it's easier to not have faith because then you don't have that accountability, right? You can go do what you want to do and you don't feel like, Hey, I'm doing something wrong. You don't have that moral compass as much, you know, and I'm not, you know, you, you probably still do, but I'm just saying it's not as you're not, if you're not worried about eternity and you think this is all you've got and you're going to be worm food at the end of it, then, you know, you're going to do some things that you might not do. Yeah. If you, you know, if Jesus was in the room with you, would you do the activity that you're doing? Right. You know, and we all fall short of that standard, no matter who you are. And that's a thing where I believe there's redemption for everybody, regardless of the things you've messed up, because that's what it says. And I, you know, like capital punishment is something I struggle with. Like, uh, when people do really bad things and, you know, we decide that we're going to put them on death row and then we keep them there forever. Um, and eventually we get, they get executed. I believe if you do really horrible things, there should be consequences to that. But I also believe that there's redemption for those folks too, and that Jesus can still save them and they can still live in an eternity. Right. So, um, I do want to, say one more thing about this i you mentioned about anybody or most people can have pretty easy access to water and food Mm -hmm. i think a lot of people take stuff for granted now and they're just looking at the big picture of everything like you no one realizes how hard and difficult it is to get clean drinking water to your house uh 
ability for you to flush your toilet and that to not be a problem in your house ever again. To have somebody like John, who's a wastewater treatment guy, have to process all of that and make take care of it, maintain it, so that way it can be processed and gone. And you never have to worry about it. No one is grateful for that kind of stuff. No, no we, we take it for granted, for sure. I mean, Johnny, you can speak to that. I mean, and both you guys, you're in that space that keeps it going. And uh, I mean, you guys are on big development projects right now where you're redoing sewers and you're redoing water lines and you're fixing. It's, it's constant fixing and maintenance and trying yeah. to keep us all safe and you have standards you have to follow. John, we've been talking about a lot, so you got to jump in. <laughs> no. Jump in. Dude. Jump yeah, in. like just kind of tying in on Dylan there. Like there's so much that goes on, like even behind the scenes that people don't see, have no, you know, no clue about that, you know, makes it. So, yeah, like you said, you don't have to worry about anything. It just goes away. You flush the toilet. You never have to see it again. Where, like, if that stuff wasn't happening, like, there would be big problems. Or like, even if it doesn't. Like, say your your sewer is backed up. There's still guys that have to come out and deal with all of that for you. Yeah. You don't do it. You don't have yeah. to do anything You don't with do it. any of it. You don't even, yeah. like, especially in the city aspect, like in Lebanon. You How many times have you gone out and cleaned out a lateral? That oh. was backed up. Yeah, that so. person doesn't see a bill for that. No, mm-hmm. so the city has to go in there and clean all that crap up. And we all say, well, those are our tax dollars at work. That's our you yeah. Know, yeah. And we're creating jobs for people and stuff. But we, you're right. It is something that I think people are just like, oh yeah, my toilet's always gonna flush, and my yeah <laughs> water's always gonna come out nice and clean. Yeah. Um, well, like and I've seen it a lot. Like when I worked in the water department here in Albany, so many people, if their water had a little bit of discoloration. I would get that would get called out to their house and they would come out screaming and hollering. Yeah. Right? Because it wasn't exactly perfect for the last two hours that they had it running. Now, a lot of aspects come into play there, because there's usually in a big neighborhood, a lot of people are using water, that your water's being filtered constantly. There's nothing ever sitting stagnant in that pipe because so many people use it, especially in summertime with the irrigation. So much water's being used that you're getting fresh, clean water flushed all all year round. Um, and it's a lot of time it's on their end with their hot water heater or something like that. Or and old it, galvanized plumbing. Yeah, I mean, old, yeah, old galvanized plumbing. And it's a five-minute fix. You run some cold water in your bathtub for five minutes and you're done. But you it's, it's never their fault. That's no. where it always comes into play. It's, oh, it's the city's fault. My water's dirty. It can't be in my end. It has to be the city's. Yeah. Well, and tying this back into environmental, you look at what happened with Green Peter this year. They took the reservoir. There was some lawsuits from various environmental groups that said, hey, we want to return this to a natural system. And you've had a dam there for 50, 60 years. And now all of a sudden you're trying to go back to this creek that's a trickle. And then that's a water source for people and a reservoir. And the water's been pretty challenging, as far as I'm understanding. And I don't know if that's Sweet Home or if that's Lebanon. Lebanon, too. Yeah, Yeah, I think Sweet Home's uh, above that. Okay. Yeah, they Uh, pull out of the reservoir, so it's not hitting them as bad. It's still pretty bad because, I mean, just dumping, you know, the dam there, it's stirring up a lot of dirt and everything, but... Bunch of sediment. Yeah. Lebanon's getting hit really hard. That's been a big, big thing going on right now. You see... A lot of people complaining about that, but you can only treat water so much. And they're giving you clean drinking water. There might be some stuff in it. Once again, that's a lot of stuff that settles inside your your water heater Mm -hmm. that 
over time, you put some a little bit more of that sediment in there, and then it's going to come out. It just that's how it works. Once you want hot water, that's the color you're going to get eventually. Yeah, and I'm on a well, and my water's full of sodium, magnesium, and calcium. And so if I made ice cubes with my water, they'd be pure white. You know, yeah. I mean, because it's so full of mineral content, and we don't drink it just because it's too high in that. But we cook with it, and we bathe with it, and do our laundry, and yeah, you know, and as much as like. I've complained about how expensive like groceries and stuff is, you know, like the convenience of being able to walk into a grocery store and just grabbing something off of a shelf. Yeah. I mean, you can't beat that. No, I know. But at the same time, when you make a meal yourself with, you know, let's say it's a venison dinner or whatever, or like these lambs I've been enjoying, uh, it, there's a satisfaction or even the crab. I went and got these crabs and made crab cakes the other night and just a few limited yeah. ingredients. And just think of how much better you feel when you do that versus a processed item. You know, I, I mentioned this to you the other day and I think it's so funny because you and I always talk about like how expensive everything is. Yeah. But I'm kind of cheap. <laughs> yeah. You're very cheap. And then, but we'll spend the most amount on to be able to go for a week on hunting trip. Oh yeah, ever. it's the funniest thing to me ever. We don't even look at stuff. I'm <laughs> yeah. just, I remember going shopping with you guys, and uh, I don't remember which trip it was, but figuring out snacks or booze or whatever it was, and it's like, yep, throw it in the cart, boys. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was just, but yeah, but, but that also is our escape from some of these realities. You know, I mean, I think hunting fills that like. Hey, we can get out. We can get out in nature. We can experience things the way where it just feels like it, everything's right with the world, kind of. I mean, yeah. nothing's perfect, and we have some calamities along the way. Your pickup's been through some few things from oh, various dude. trips, and oh mine had God. some issues this last go around, but it's, you know, that's part of the deal. And it's, it's weird as Dylan and I talk about this a lot too, is I was always like that once a year hunter, you know, and I'd go for my three or four days and that was it. And then all of a sudden I got bit by the hunting bug so bad that I like, I'm, my wife's so tired of hearing it. I and mean, we talk about this every time, but my wife's so tired of hearing about it or me watching a video about something or getting excited about a new piece of gear. I'm going on this Idaho trip, uh, for mule deer and elk and I'm going to have a mule deer tag. There's four of us going, and so I'm I'm worried about my gear, and then I'm worried about being in shape, and I'm worried about being cold, and so I'm slowly adding pieces here and there to prepare for this trip. But it's gonna be fun. I um, you know, I have a a, a couple other just challenging topics that I wanted to talk about. But before I go into that, uh, I want to dive into just some more outdoor related stories that I, uh, these are very obscure and I know we're going to be dancing around a little bit today, but that's okay. We always dance. Yeah. We like to dance. We're just winging it. Oh, always. we did so, get our heads back, Sam. Can we talk about that? I've been. Oh yeah. So we did get our mule deer. Uh, we all, the three mule deer we got over, uh, on our Eastern Oregon hunting trip this year, we uh, got them European uh, mounted this year. And our the guy that was doing it for us, uh, he was moving. He was in the process of moving. Um, and he, he's, he's done a blacktail for me before. He's done a few elk for Kyler. Um, but anyway, we, I took him all three of our heads probably mid-October, I think. It was, it was right after, right after we, we got, got back. So it was, yeah first, second, third week of October, somewhere in there. And we just got them this week. 
Yeah. So it's nice to see. Yeah. They, um, we only wanted skulls, uh, but our guy also does a board mount for some of his customers that he charges extra for. And he was so overwhelmed with the move and trying to crank out as many as he could that he ended up mounting all three of our heads on boards, uh, which he didn't charge us the extra hundred bucks. He normally charges for that. But we compared Dylan's three-point out of our unit um, to mine uh, today, and they're pretty similar. His is definitely wider. Mine's maybe a little taller in some spots, but there's it's weird. It's still weirding me out. Like I, they look so similar, but also not at yeah. the same time. Yeah, genetically, we looked at Jake's buck versus Dylan's buck, and they are yeah, they got very similar. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be somewhere along the line. And then Taya's buck has this weird nodule on it in the front of its forehead. Yeah. And I, I, when I first picked it up, I was like, did that bullet travel all the way to the front of the head of that deer? <laughs> you know, like, because I mean, she, she basically took the neck off on her shot. I mean, it was barely hanging on. And well, it wasn't. I'm pretty sure John went to go take it off and it just fell. Yeah, it just <laughs> fell right off. As soon as we got the hide down far enough. But I don't know. He must have bumped his head at some point. Or it it's like, like the start of a like a base like you're just gonna have new antler grown right out of the yeah. floor wouldn't that be he would have been a unicorn yeah. yeah the next year he would add a giant antler it's it's an odd deal it's I, weird it, you wonder if it was some sort of trauma that created that or if it's LC, extra bone or what it is he maybe ran right into a tree or something he could have hit a tree yeah, pretty hard pretty hard yeah. tree hit <laughs> trying to rake his antlers and just missed yeah, yeah. The, we're all looking at these things, so we're that's why our audios <laughs> mixing. It, we're just checking them out. They're in here in the studio with us, but um, you know, it's one of those things where uh, I don't know. The European mounts, I think, are pretty stinking cool. I, I mean, just like seeing the different bone structure, and like I have my antelope on a European too, and just how the eye socket is so different. Um, it, it's kind of, yeah, I think, it's cool. We got three coming from you pretty soon. Yep. Yep. I'm so excited to see him. Oh my god, I'm so excited to see him. Yeah. So you got a, you got a lot of skulls going in the trophy room. Yep. My my uh, grandma's three point from this year. My dad's is like a three by one. It got beat up pretty good. And then my grandma's forking horn from last year. Maybe. Yeah. Well, I think what'll be we want to pack up all this equipment because it's super fun to do that just in general. Yep. And we're going to go, Dylan's parents' basement is the trophy room. And I don't know how many square feet it is, but it's a giant. 2,200. For the basement alone? Yeah. Holy cow. It's this huge room, you know, and it's just full of heads and horns. And so we're going to bring uh, one of my brother's big bucks and we're going to bring some of my deer and we're just going to do like a comparison day. And uh, oh, that'd be so fun. I think it'd yeah. be fun. And just kind of remember some of those animals, you know, and go through it. Because... We're not trophy hunters. I want to, at least I'm going to say I'm not a trophy hunter, um, but it's still cool. And like we all kind of, my wife calls it deer porn. So she will like <laughs> see a nice buck out in the field and take a picture of it for me, you know, but it's like, you know, it, we do. I mean, there's something about antlers that is, is pretty cool, you know? Well, that situation too, because we have so many down there just from all the years, um, it, I love going down there and just like reliving those stories. Like, oh, I remember that. Yeah, like that snow buck. I always go back to that one because it was the first year I ever killed in the snow. Mm-hmm. And then, man, dragging it out was super easy, but it was pretty freaking cold day. Yeah. And we couldn't find it forever. Um, I do want to ask you, though, about the European Moz. Did you ever uh, get the face attached back? Half of it. 
there, that was all that was left. So yeah, yeah, she got shot. I saw that shot. That was, yeah, hers got. Well, he's trying to glue it back on mm, for me. Yeah. That's a tough glue. So we could get it back yeah. in the trophy <laughs> room in one piece. Yeah, it looks kind of cool that way, but it's difficult. Yeah. yeah, and I've seen a lot of European mounts now where they're not as focused on getting the skull all clean and painted white, where they're leaving them a little more natural looking, and then they put like a varnish over it to seal it in. I think that's kind of cool too. I've had a couple that, I mean, I've been doing them for quite a few years now, just like families and Dylan's families and kind of everybody's that wants it done just because it's fun to me. But there's some skulls that like after you get all the, the meat and everything off of, like it has a cool like color and finish to it already that like you don't want to want it to be all white you know but yeah i feel like more natural is the way i want mine to be yeah as natural as they can be but so a couple other topics i just bumped into this article um any i mean i don't know if you guys have seen this one but so uh, you might already know the answer but how much you think we spend per year in america on endangered species two billion close you say billion or million billion Go three billion, one point two billion. Oh, so you guys overshot a little. To bit. be honest, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I saw a two on it. Oh, you, see, you I, saw yeah, the one point two. I was peeking at that yeah. sheet when you picked it up. It's cheating. So uh, the with that though, where do you think half of that money goes? Not to the animals. Yeah, to Vegas casinos. <laughs> uh, so two different species of fish that we have around here. So it's salmon and steelhead. Get Wait, half of that? Goes half to? of that budget goes to salmon and steelhead. For? Trying to keep them around. You know, exactly. it's the Endangered Species Act. Whereas this article talks about all the different species that are allocated funds. But, you know, 50% of the budget goes to salmon and steelhead. And um, there is like this endangered snail on here. <laughs> they only allocate like a hundred dollars a year to that one. Hmm. Well, yeah, because that makes sense. Yeah, they're not going to go very far, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, time. like a lot of it goes to the big name species, like spotted owls, still get a good chunk, and grizzly but, bears, manatees, right whales. Does it say anything about like what they use it for? For like salmon steelhead. Well, yeah, it says half of the money goes to recover two types of fish, salmon and steelhead trout running around the West Coast, basically, which is cool for us because we get to benefit directly from that. And I'm not judging this. I just happened to bump into this article. That snail I was talking about, it's the, t- it's the tiny Virginia fringed mountain scent snail, which had a $100 spent on its behalf in 2020. Yeah, but what do but, they do to benefit? Like, what are yeah, they doing what's for? What's the benefit for the salmon steelhead? I mean, or I think a snail. lot of it's habitat <laughs> restoration. Uh, yeah, the snail—they don't really elaborate. They just say it had a hundred bucks. They just but, drop a hundred on the ground and hopefully the snail finds well, it. Well, because we know that the green peter, in, like we were just talking about, is for salmon and steelhead. That's right for that that run. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's going to take a long time. But I don't know. I'm not. A professional in this regard i feel like rebuilding that and doing what they're doing is it's going to take a long 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 time to build anything back up this article was written this year it was a brand new article it came out january 3rd but um the, a lot of their data is from 2020 so there's 900 trees ferns flowers and flora that's protected on the endangered species list and they received $26 million in 2020 out of that $1.2 billion. So that's the, you know, 
the flora side of it, they don't really dive into where that salmon and steelhead money is being spent. I mean, the article's drawing you in with, you know, America spends $1.2 billion on the Endangered Species Act annually, and half of it goes to two fish. <laughs> <laughs> well, more just that two species of fish. Right. Yeah. But that's how they get you to, but that's how they get you to click on it. You Not know? Herman so. the Sturgeon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's but, 32 it says it includes 62.5 million dollars um to hire biologists to craft recovery plans to guide future conservation work initially for 32 species um, how much of um if you know if you don't it's fine something for you to look up for next time uh how much money from hunters when you're buying these tags and putting in Gets allocated. Yeah, that's a good. I, the article is not going to talk about that. I don't think, but that's a great, I, great thing for us to look into. I think you know? we just pay for the snail, probably. Yeah, <laughs> we just. I do. Them. That's. I put that on the thing. You like? Can that please go to that Virginia yeah. tiny snail? I'll put I'll another. Give them like two hundred bucks or something. Yeah, make it a little bit more. That's I need not, you to how look many up, snails? Yeah, are I was gonna say I need you to look up the population of these. Okay, snails. I'm gonna get back to you guys on the snail because that seems to be <laughs> the the piece of it that you're the most excited about. And I, I, you know, I live to keep you guys happy. What's yeah. the little thing on the front? What's that little some guy? Mole rat. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he's some sort of. Let's see. That's the kangaroo rat. So this image uh, from the U.S. Wildlife Service shows a Stevens kangaroo rat. Mm as seen on a person's knee held by the tail on October 16th, 2017. Oh, that's, that's at the front of the article. Let's give them the other half. You know what I mean? Yeah. He probably only gets 50 bucks. Yeah. Who knows what that little guy gets? He's cute though. Um, so I, I want to get into another topic that is a tough one. And it's one that nobody talks about or people are starting to talk about it, but it's something that's pretty pretty sad and hard to talk about and um you know especially as parents uh but in general and and so that sound of freedom movie came out on amazon prime so you know a lot of us heard about it when it was in theaters and i I looked at some stats and i want to say it cost them 14 million dollars to make that movie and it it grossed like 250 million uh, while i was at the box office so it you know they made some money on it and there's some things that aren't historic or our little Hollywood in the movie. Like, I don't want to give it away if you guys haven't seen it. I haven't but, seen it. Um, you can give it away though if you want. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a scene where um, the main character is rescuing this gal and uh, he has to kill her captor. That didn't happen in real life. You know, he didn't actually kill the guy. Um, and, you know, those are things that are Hollywood just making it a little more dramatic or whatever. But The Sound of Freedom, and it's about child trafficking, which is, uh, obviously a horrible thing and you know and i know i'm a little bit dark today in the topics that we're talking about but if you i feel like if and i'm not saying we have enough influence to make a difference but i think the more people that you can make aware of the things that are going on it's again back to that we all have our blinders on and we're doing our thing and this is happening in our own backyard you know and um and globally and so there's an estimated 27.6 million victims worldwide of human trafficking and then it's not always the really dark like sex trafficking like where our minds go sometimes it's labor you know people are being 
sold into labor fields and things like that, but it's slavery. So right now there's more people enslaved in the world than ever in any other time in history. And, wow. you know, we watch a Sarah McLaughlin commercial with a bunch of dogs in cages and we all grab our wallets and start paying yeah. for that. But we don't talk about this stuff and people don't, I just ran some numbers on it. And so there's 8 billion people worldwide. So that means three and a half percent of those people are enslaved, you know? And uh, there's 341 million people in the U.S. And about 250,000 children go missing every year. And they think 100,000 of those are in the trafficking ring. But those are estimates. And a lot of times things go unreported too. So you got to always figure these numbers are under what the reality is. And that Sound of Freedom movie, I, I thought it was well done. You know, there's some facts that are Hollywoodized, you know, and whatnot. But the main theme, they they had a couple different things, uh, operations that they were running at the same time, and they kind of blend the two into one movie, you know. But this guy um, that does it, it follows this Tim Ballard guy, and he used to work for um, Department of Homeland Security. And so he was seeing all this horrible stuff on all these, you know, he had to watch just horror, horrific things. And I think that's what, I don't, I don't know his whole story, but I mean, just when you see the movie, they kind of give you a little bit of a background of this guy, but, um, you know, they didn't have the budgets to go do the things he wanted to do. So he just said, well, I'm going to go do it, you know, and he started getting funding and, um, you know, and then funding for the movie, uh, I, it came, I believe, from Glenn Beck, uh, kind of helped him raise money and just kind of create awareness and, and build a a thing. But, you know, the movie shows them rescuing like 54 kids. The reality of it was it was like 120 t- total people counting kids, women, and, uh, and you know, adults. Um, but uh, he's his company, which I don't remember the name of it, but they've, they've pulled 6,000 people out of the the child trafficking space on these various operations. So it's a $150 billion criminal enterprise a year. It eclipses illegal firearms and is a third of the size of the drug trade. And so, and you know, the economy for this, which this is really a hard topic, but is pedophilia. And the U.S. is the number one consumer of child exploitation material. So, I mean, Americans are the ones that are creating the demand for this stuff. And that's, we're all shaking our heads and kind of, I mean, I know this is a sobering thing to talk about, but it's, uh, it's pretty horrific to think about this. And, and, you know, I guess I didn't realize this, but there's about 85,000 unaccompanied minors that show up at the border. So they'll just show up as kids and they think that these were kids that they were trafficking and then they got scared and just ditched the kids. And then the way they handle that is they call. So when a kid is left at the border, they're left with like a sponsor's name and phone number. But we just, as a country, like on the U.S. border, we call that sponsor and we say, hey, your child is here, and we hand it over the kid. We don't do any checking. There's no DNA test. There's no, like, proof that this is actually your child. Oh, yeah, that's my child. Here you go. And that's all Jeez. we do. Wow. Yeah. And so I, when I read that, I was like, that's insane to me. Um, but I'm bringing this up because, again, 
there's there's no easy answers for these things, but it's an awareness thing, and it's like I, I think that movie's worth watching, even though it's hard to watch. And I, um, you know, America is part of the problem. So human trafficking, that 150 billion per year that they're making, is more than the NFL, NBA, MLB, and NHL combined. Jeez. So I mean, you know, we put a lot of focus on sports. And these guys are making more money and all that stuff combined in the most horrific way I can think possible. And that's back to like, I was, I was talking to my folks about this and they were talking about this vigilante guy. That's like the America's most wanted guy. Cause he took out like 90 of these people, <laughs> the trafficker type folks. And he like put it on YouTube or something. And they were telling me about that. And I'm like, Obviously, I'm not saying the vigilante approach is the right way to go. I mean, this this Tim Ballard guy is doing everything the right way. You know, he's he's working with other countries and these operations, and he's going out there and he's trying to rescue people. But it's we have so many other things that we allocate resources and energy to. Why aren't we fixing this? And I'm just throwing that out there, and I don't have an answer. But um, I felt like it was a topic that since I just watched the movie, I wanted to talk about it a little bit. So I started doing a little digging on it. Well, I'll tell you right now, if anything ever happens to my kid, I will kill everybody in sight. So, yeah. and I think most parents feel that way. Yeah. You know I mean? Most of us are like, you think, okay, if anything happened, that's where your mindset would want to go. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, that's gotta be the most horrific thing that can happen to you is anything related to your kid. You yeah. know? So it's really bummer. <laughs> But but, I mean, it's a thing where you turn it back to prayer for me because there's no easy answer for this. It's, it's a, it's, there isn't, I mean, Mm. there, there is no like quick solution. And I think it's becoming, I mean, there's whole groups that are dedicated to trying to make this more in the front lines and more people aware of it. And I think we've all heard about it, but then when you start hearing some of the stats and they're staggering like this, but when you look at the American one, when you do the math on that, we have 340 million people and an estimated 100,000. I want, I, on a calculator, it's like a tenth of a percent of the population. So then people are like, oh, you know, like when you're talking about, you know, putting too much in salt in a recipe, a tenth of a percent's not a big deal. But when you're talking about children, it's a big deal, you know? Yeah. And the fact that, that we don't think about it or, or deal with it is insane to me. But I don't know what the answers are. You know, I'm, I'm just throwing it out there as a horrible topic to talk about, but also the hope that if somebody's listening to our show, then it makes them more aware, you know? Yeah. And then that's the whole point of a lot of the things that we were talking about today is like, I don't have answers. I think your mindset of how do I get plugged into my community and make a difference where I can, those are the answers. We all have to try to do our part and then we bring this all up together and we stop fighting with each other over silly stuff and letting ourselves be divided. You know, together we're a lot stronger than apart. Oh yeah. And if you look at just around here, um, I joined an organization called the hundred who care and I hadn't heard about this at all, but their concept is pretty cool. I think we have 54 members right now and they have one in Corvallis and this is the Albany one. Um, but essentially each member gives a hundred dollars once a quarter. And so, uh, you know, there's four different, um, agencies a year that'll benefit from that. And then however members you have, they get a check. So for the, 
nonprofit we chose for this last quarter was Lynn Benton Food Share. And there's 54 members right now. So that was $5,400 we were able to give to them. Nice. So it costs you and as an individual 400 bucks a year. But you're, you know, the dream is once we get it to 100 people, we're writing $10,000 checks to each one of those deserving nice. nonprofits. That's cool. And, and, and I mean, I think we're fortunate in this area that there's a lot of nonprofits that do a lot of good things. And so there's, but there's a ton of need and there's a ton of different ways you can allocate dollars and, and doing this type of stuff like tax force type of, you know, special oppy type of things like this guy's doing, it's not cheap Mm -mm. and you got to have good equipment and you got to protect your people and you got to do it the right way. So I don't know. It's, it's inspiring to see that people are standing up and, and making a difference. It's also sobering to see how big of a issue it is. Yeah. Um, I'm going to totally change the subject. Yeah, you need to, because we can't keep dwelling in yeah. the dark, you know. Let's so the snail. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> John's like, that snail topic was much more comfortable <laughs> for me. Yesterday, I downloaded a solitaire game on my phone. Turns out it's a little bit of a gamble, a gambling type of thing, you know. <laughs> and uh, I keep trying to dis- uh, delete my account, but it just keeps saying withdrawals in progress and won't let me. So it's just slowly draining your bank account or? No, but I did. I saw like it took me to this thing like it said free $5 bonus and I and it said deposit. I thought that was withdrawal when I first saw it. <laughs> oh, so I no. hit it and it just kept popping up. It was like, <laughs> and I just kept hitting it, hitting it, hitting it. Next thing you know, I deposited about $40 into this account. Mm. So then I withdraw. How, how do you win in solitaire? You're betting on the hand. Yeah, each, if you you have to against a bunch of different people. I played uh, it all night. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I lost all forty dollars. You just need uh, to go back to sports um, betting. No, I withdrawed. <laughs> tried to withdraw that forty dollar thing, but it wouldn't let me do anything more than twenty. Mm. So I did seventeen. Was as high as I could withdraw, and I only got eleven dollars out. So you've been doing making some odd choices lately. Let's let's mm. talk about these uh, TikTok purchases. Oh, let's bring some of those up. TikTok shop. Yeah, yeah. So I discovered that TikTok has a shopping center. Go on there. I'm scrolling, and you know, I got my wife some Christmas presents, but I'm the worst at it. I always give her a Christmas presents in about I don't know August. August. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I knew. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so then. I was like, well, I got to get her something else so she can unwrap on Christmas. So I'm on there. I get her like seven different things. These are all like $4 items. Didn't do a single check on if any of these places were legit. Um, Didn't know where they were coming from. Didn't realize how long it would take to get them. And didn't know if my card was going to be completely used to drain every single dollar amount I have in my account. So I ordered those items. And then I'm on the phone with John. I'm telling him about them. And he goes, dude, did you check any of these websites? I go, no, not really. So then he started getting me think, maybe I should. So we're on the phone, and I'm looking all these places up. Only one of them show up as somewhere. One of them was a sweet teas candy. If you guys are interested in a blue raspberry combo, they got it. Okay? I go on their website, and it was a Muslim candy. Never heard of it. Thought I should give it a shot, you know? 
that was the only one that I felt somewhat confident I was going to get my product at the end of the day. The other five items that I bought for my wife, no trace of a website show up, nothing, nothing on Amazon, Etsy, TMU. I looked everywhere. And the only place I could find it was TikTok shop. Mm. And have you uh, had these products arrive yet? Yeah. Okay. But All? before I get even Into that, yeah. Before they even say shipped or in transit, they're just order was placed. That's all I get. I was like, you know what? I'm going to get some more snacks. <laughs> so I get on and I'm like, two pound Asian crunch box. What's that about? So I look it up. I see it and it's like variety of Asian cuisines. And you've been wanting to try some different foods. Yeah. I'm trying to so. get diverse in my food. You're working food on your realm. palate. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm like, well, 30 bucks. I ain't that bad. I'll order that. Before that thing even shipped, or any of the other stuff shipped, I went, ah, kind of feeling like I should get some steak Doritos. So I got garlic steak Doritos, ribeye steak Lay's, Cinnabon Oreos, and dessert Skittles from a different company. I thought you got like a, a Wagyu steak one. It That's what I thought it was. It was ribeye. Oh, okay. There's no Red 40 in any of that, I'm sure. No, oh, well, it's you should look into their food stuff because they're way cleaner than us. Oh yeah, yeah, way cleaner, way cleaner, because it, it doesn't even taste the same. Like the chips were, you could even you could just taste that it was a corn chip. But you they're know, like you eat a Dorito now from here, it just tastes like cheese. But they're also coming from what South Korea or uh, China? Yeah, these were all it? Korean items that I later found out. But I ordered all this stuff. It was about a hundred and something, $130, $150. And not a single thing on the website said on like shipping or it's going to be delivered. It just says possible delivery date, January 5th to January 12th. I went, oh. And this whole time he's telling me that I need to order stuff. And I just kept saying, no, no, like you get, you get one of those deliveries and I'll think about ordering something. And then he finally got some stuff. So I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'll find any, I'll find some stuff. So I was laughing when he was telling me these <laughs> stories and I was like, you know, we need to, when you get your next Asian snack box, I, we need to film you opening it because I, it, you know, what's in there. It's a no, random it's surprise. Random. It's like opening a box of sports cards, basically. And I'll tell yeah. you what. Most of it was really good. Now, a couple items, hey, now, they were not for human consumption. 100%. <laughs> we need to do a Facebook Live on this yeah. the next time you get an Asian snack box. Um, yeah. yeah. We'll get uh, Clyde in here. Yeah. Clyde. Yeah. Buddy, that he he got one too, right? He got a Turkish one. That was awful. It wasn't good, huh? No. Uh, but this one, it was taro, sweet potato taro or taro, however you say it. And... Uh, that, I'm pretty sure, was human waste. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure, but I'm pretty sure. Well, I've had that in Hawaii, and it, it just, it's just real gummy, not real flavorful. Um, it's used, it was used as a staple, like as just a starch, basically. You know, it's like a... Yeah, just like a, a Fig Newton cookie. Yeah, but way <laughs> less flavor. Like, if yeah. you eat it in its raw form, it's just 
Kind of like eating glue, I think. It's like if you had one of those purple, because it's kind of a purple color, if you just got one of those Elmer's purple glue sticks and just chewed on that, I think it's pretty similar. Well, the outside looked like the like sweet potato skin, like just the skin of a potato. And mm-hmm. then inside was like this dark purple brown color. Yeah. But when you went to go tear that thing apart, it took every ounce of my strength to tear that thing apart. Because yeah. it was like you could pinch it down, but it just would not tear apart. Hmm. And the first, as soon as I put it in my mouth, I did a few dry heaves. Yeah, and you're a strong guy. You're yeah. not a weak guy. Sometimes I like to think so. Yeah, Until think that you, moment, I think this thing is strong, one inch around, maybe. I mean, when you had me up in the air that one time, I was like, this guy <laughs> is stronger than I thought he was, you know? Yeah. That was, well, and I thought you were stronger than that when I did <laughs> That's it. That's why I'm hitting the gym yeah. for this Idaho trip. I'm going to get ready. Because I'm telling you right now, you're upper body you look like one of those people i like to use like we're one of those one things of inflatable, inflatable dudes <laughs> yeah. at a used car dealership that's yeah. what it just felt flopping like. in the wind yeah but just way heavier yeah. like you put 70 pounds of sand on top of it <laughs> <laughs> that's what your upper body just folded hey on a serious note we are going to be at the sportsman show here in albany which is coming up i think first weekend in february it's either first or second i think it's first because it's the week before the big one up in portland so. Something's ringing February eighth for some, yeah. some reason. I don't have. We'll get those exact dates. Um, people at the Willamette Valley Sportsman Show. We're gonna have a booth. We're gonna have some fresh swag. Me and the boys just picked out some new hat designs this morning. So we're gonna have some hats, some sweatshirts, and t-shirts available. Some stickers. Um, we're just gonna be hanging out and with other outdoorsmen and having a good time. So. And if you're real nice, you can get a picture with Sam. Autographed. Oh man, yeah. That's yeah. going to bring them in. They're going to be excited about that yeah. one. Yeah. And you can have yeah. this bracelet. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I did, you know, Cam Haynes has had his promo for the Raptor truck he's given away. And he's also given you a cooler with $10,000 cash so you can pay the taxes on the Raptor. It's kind of a cool idea. That is you know, cool. You use that. Because you can give somebody, anybody, 18000 a year without it being a taxable event. Hmm. So he's giving away ten k and a cooler with this, I don't know, $80,000 pickup and then whatever tax you got to pay on that, that 10 grand's helping you pay the tax man. And so to get entered in for that drawing, you click, you know, he has Facebook ads and Instagram ads and you click on it and then it takes you to a website that says for 70 entries, you got to buy this $14 thing. And that was the cheapest entry point. Cause I'm one of those guys when it comes to raffles or even a Powerball ticket, your odds are the same, no matter how many you buy realistically you know that one of them is going to hit and i know a statistician could tell me what it really is but i figure i'm not going to throw a lot of money at a raffle it's just probably not a good use of dollars so i just i spent the 14 bucks i got in on this contest i don't i think he's waiting a little bit for like the mail-in entries and stuff to all come in because it ended at the with the beginning of the year Um, but dylan's rocking uh what does it say on it Nobody cares, work harder, and keep hammering. Yeah, and then we also got a sticker that says, I'll stop hammering when I'm dead. And we put that in the on one of our gun boxes here in the studio. Yeah, something so, to live by. Yeah. I mean, hey, Cam Haynes, he's, he's doing a lot of things and uh, is working for him. So I don't think I could carry that rock up the hill like he does very easily. Mm-mm. But can I substitute that for a stuffy? <laughs> yeah. Like one of those and plush ma- marshmallows? get a ride to the top yeah <laughs> do we have yeah. to run it or and he's a cold plunge guy too so i've seen him cold plunging too that's a 
I've never done that yet. So we did it. Did we? In like yeah, a river? That, remember Carmen? Oh yeah, that was right. Yeah. But we didn't do it just to just cause. We, we were trying to get a fish off the bottom. My oh. my dad was going to rinse a uh rainbow trout off. Mm-hmm. All bloody. And then it just had that one little Jerk. Of, yeah. yeah, jerk. It just shot out of his hand and just went down about 10 feet. <laughs> and just, you could just see it was clear water and just was laying there. And he goes, go get it, boys. And we hop in that water. And it, let me tell you, I've never been so close to hyperventilating and completely dying, I don't think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Needless uh, to say, we didn't get the fish. No. You I tried. Put my head under. Yeah. yeah. I've been, I've done a few of those things with the, that ice cold water and it. It's that when your head goes under, the effects on your brain are uh, different. Yeah. I had uh, on this crabbing day on the 1st of January, uh, my buddy Chuck, he's got really nice like industrial traps. But we looked at the lines and we're like, those look a little short. Uh, and it, we got the first pull, but then we were in a little deeper water. I mean, about 40 feet of water. We throw his trap off and Charlie goes, it's sinking. And it was about three feet under and we could see the buoys. And uh, we circled back. And we could see him, and then he's driving the boat towards it. And we couldn't see him, <laughs> and so uh, we kept circling back there and trying to find it, but we never recovered no. the trap. Yeah, so it's still on the bottom. Uh, we're gonna have to go at low tide, and we were talking about making a trip over there, but we're gonna be over there, and I don't know, a week or two. <laughs> so yeah, I don't I'm sure think, it'll be there. Pe- so people don't mess with other people's crab stuff generally. Unless it gets caught in like somebody's prop or something, but yeah, that would not be cool for them. Yeah. Uh, well, luckily, it, well, it'll, it'll have his name on it, so you don't have to worry. It's about it It's got too his much. name on yeah. it. It's got. Uh, it doesn't have his phone number on it, unfortunately. But yeah. Anyway, that was sort of a bummer. Yeah. Well, all I know is I need to get out of this gambling thing. Yeah. I mean, I do feel like. As a Williams, we have the same genetics. There is some addictive personality uh, type traits. Mm-hmm. Our family has had some addiction and various things. So, you, you know, that can show in, in a lot of different deals, you know. There's yeah. a phone number you can call, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I got a gambling one, um, some nicotine problems. I, uh, and Diet Coke's been a real big one for me lately. <laughs> and TikTok shop. Yeah, I'm a... I'm glad how we went from like super hard topic to like the lightest topics ever. Does that we had to lighten well, the mood yeah, a little I bit? Bring it back yeah. up because it felt weird in here for a while. Yeah. Well, it's hard to talk about that sort of yeah. stuff, but you know, I I will tell you um, the uh, the gambling thing. I've been doing DraftKings a little bit. So my brother in law was at my house and we were watching that um, Francis Nagano Tyson Fury. No, who did he fight? Was it, it was yeah. Fury Nagano Fury fight? And it was a pretty good fight. And he's like, I'm going to get DraftKings. And he wanted to bet on it. And we have horrible internet at our house. So it took like 45 minutes to get it. And then I, so I'm like, well, if you're going to do it, I'm going to do it. You know, and now they're like, hey, if you place a bet, you'll get so much in free money or whatever. Well, then I started going back to my roots, which is parlays beating the spread on NFL games. Hit a couple of them. Got my account up to about 400. Sheesh. Started with 40. Thought, man, I'm good at this, and then had a couple rough weeks. But, yeah, but I'm back up to three hundred again. So, well, you I'm win still... some, you lose some, and you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Yeah, we were, we were big on the DraftKings for quite a while. We did a lot of golf betting, though. 
which is crazy to me, golf betting. I don't even, because I just don't know that space. We don't either, but it, we were doing pretty good. It was fun. And at yeah. least you brought up golf again on a podcast. Yeah, well, which it's is, been a long time yeah. since we've done it. Yeah, I'll tell you, I uh, the NFL spreads, I've bet on those since I was old enough to bet. So in Oregon, we used to have an Oregon sports book that you could go pick a three. T- and my buddy, TJ, we worked at a sports card shop together. And so we're like... 18 to 22 somewhere in that range mm-hmm. right here in the mall across the street he would come in and we'd pick our tickets for the weekend then he and we'd always bet 10 bucks and you could win 50 you know if you hit three games so i, I the three game parlay has always got a sweet spot in my heart you know and the ravens have not been letting me down this year they've been crushing so i'm not a ravens fan but i just know they're gonna win yeah money is money yep it's fun well it's always good to hang out with you guys. I know we talked about some stuff that weren't easy to talk about, so I appreciate you guys going through that with me. I told you this one was going to be a little different feel. We kind of steered away from all the fun stuff we normally talk about. but uh, I liked it. Yeah, it was, it was fun to just get your opinions on some things too. And, you know, we got a couple of generations represented, Gen X and Gen Z. Yeah. And then we found out my kids and Dylan's kid are in the alpha generation. That's the new one they're labeling people with is generation alpha. And so they're starting all over. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see what those kids can do. I mean, they're only, I think, nine years into that generation label. So if you guys, I, I noticed when I looked at the generation chart, it's 15 year gaps. So every 15 years, they label a new generation. Hang on one sec, guys. So. Let me check my blink cameras real fast. Okay, you're good. Go keep going. Oh, is that your doorbell? Yeah. Oh. Never heard of Blink. It's not a sponsor, but it should be. Yeah. Are they pretty sweet? Yeah. yeah. I have them too. I, I really like them. I don't know if the internet would work at my house to be able to see it. Like, does, I, do you need good internet for that? You could just have them up and it's just kind of like a safety. Oh. Yeah, this guy's got cameras. Hey, Elon, if you're listening and you can hook me, hook me up with your satellite internet for less than 120 bucks a month and having to invest in $600 worth of equipment, I'm down. Because yeah. right now I have Century Link and I pay sixty five a month and I'm not up for the buck twenty. Yeah. Well but I'm sure he is listening. Yeah. Just hit one big parlay and you'll be all right. That's true. But I gotta yeah. do I gotta hit one a month and football season's only what, ninety days? But that's where you get versed in like other sports. I know, but basketball's tough. I bet on the Blazers once this year and it played off, but ever since I did that they've been tanking. Well, Blazers bet for the other some year. other teams that yeah. aren't. The Blazers, the Blazers cannot win a game. Like bet I, on them losing. I've been a Blazer fan my whole life. I can't do that. Bet on money's losing, money, dude. Yeah. yeah, I know. We got to do something different. Um, yeah, dude. The betting thing's such a problem for me. Sometimes I just open it just to see like what the so bets are. High, hey, dude. the serious bet coming on is the BBB though. Yeah. And we mentioned it last that time we were on That needs to be on DraftKings. <laughs> we need to get that on DraftKings. We need to get some spreads going yeah. on that thing. Like that's, we need to set some spreads on all these various hunters. You could hunters. be in it. Yeah. Because the Idaho thing. I could. Some mule deer, same, same thing. Same yeah, concept. but whole, I need to get some points on that because it's a whole different country. No, it you, don't matter. I mean, I feel like it does. There's no yeah. handicap in this bet. No, we tried. We tried to do it to where you know. Can I get? Could I get on it with my archery tag for over where we hunt? Because I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna put. I put in for that as second choice. I've already put in for my deer tag, boys. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. You can 100% be in on it. That's what Kai or Kyle's doing. Are you on the fence still? Yeah. 
still on. Well, the I think you should still have to do it, and then if you lose, if you don't show, you just automatically lose. Yeah, that's kind of your fault. John's you know like, I mean? hey, I've I'm won the last few up. years, and I haven't gotten paid out. So we evened it out this year. I'm owed a lot. Haven't seen a drop. Yeah, well, it'll change. We never had a contract like this before. I spent a lot of time on it too. It's getting serious, Johnny. Yeah. And he still hasn't typed it up. There's no contract until it's signed. You have it handwritten? Yeah, it's just handwritten. I'll type it up for you. I'm a I gave it to typer. my dad. He said, I'll do it. I'm I'll gonna, do it. If he doesn't want to do it, I type for a living. That's what I do. I'll just send you some pictures of it. Mm-hmm. Have you kind of follow it? Yeah. I like where, but the only thing is that's going to be tough. Like when you have to jog the mile if you don't pay up on day of departure. So say you go over there and you hunt for however long you're over there with your tag, How, and you don't kill one. Do you start jogging? Do you jog, or do you wait until ours is over and then pay us up our booze after you lose? It's a quandary. Because you have for to the be ages. paid up by the time we leave. That's the only problem. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's a good good thought. And if I'm, I'm, I mean, I would think I'll throw my hat in the ring on the Oregon archery, you know, Deal not on the, the Idaho, probably. I'd let you do both. But see, the Idaho could jog two miles. The Idaho season's a couple of weeks later. But what if we did, what if he just did the one bet and he gets both tags to do it? Because we've seen him shoot a bow, you know what I mean? Yeah. And a rifle. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. You got to throw that in. Hey, my rifle's going to be dialed this year. That's what, That's you, what said you said last year, last year too. I know. And then thank God for John coaching me. You were a little right. <laughs> Go about a half a deer length left and shoot again. <laughs> hey, we got it done. And he's, it was a good shot. He's too. mounted on a board in my office. So it was a good shot. I can't believe it just stood there. Well, I think it was so far to the right, it was just like, whoa, that was and a we were, B. Uh, and we were freaking three hundred feet above him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like he couldn't he had no idea where it was coming yeah that was a neat hunt for me and then johnny sent me pictures of him alive on the hoof that i didn't post when he posted the first one but mm-hmm. it, those are kind of cool too yeah. and when i look at the pictures of him alive there's no way i'm not shooting that deer um but would you, would you pass on him now only because i want to get something bigger and i'm gonna be 50 the next time i have that rifle tag so yeah, I, well, that's know, another thing. For my 50th birthday, I want to get a big one. Yeah, but do you think you'd have that self-control for either of those three points in your office right now? No, I, I'd be in, I want to say yes right now, but in the moment, I don't know. I mean, those are good bucks. Those are shooter bucks in my mind, but I just know we saw some bigger ones. You know, like we saw quite a few bigger ones, and it's like if I can hold out and be patient and still have a tag in my pocket, like that – could have got Blade reincarnated with your dad that day. Could have got that big buck with Taya that day. Couldn't have got that one we went after with Jake because we never saw him again. Mm-hmm. You know, but I knew he was out there. Um, I think we were one ridge short of that one. Yeah. I think we had to go one more and he would have been there. And I don't think he ever got up when those does ran through. And honestly, after I saw what your dad was able to see from where his vantage point was, camping out there with a spot and scope all day in a lawn chair, killing a big buck, probably. Yeah. If you're willing to put that time in, you know, have some snacks. Hopefully it's not a rainy day. Yeah, throw some snacks out. Yeah. Um, watch some Despicable Me too. 
order up like four or five Asian snack boxes? Yeah, for the trip. I might do that. <laughs> um, my So if you shoot hi-hat, right, he was not the biggest we saw, but he's the most unique, probably the tallest. How, how do you compare... Because, like, it's going to be based off of everybody just saying, yep, that's the bigger one. How, like, if you shoot hi-hat and somebody else shoots a big old wide four-point, which one are you going to pick? Well, what if you have them scored? What if you get a score sheet and measure? Do you think it's because hi-hat loses? That's a dumb idea. Well, and hi-hat would lose. Yeah. Because you're not going to get the all the different things. But he's going to be the thickest yeah, that's, I just, I, what, where do what you if you, it? I mean, I know you're supposed to pay out before you leave. So it's not like you can send a tooth in and get the deer aged. Cause I mean, you could make it the oldest deer is the winner. Yeah, you could. But if you're not going, sometimes genetics, you know, sometimes the younger buck is a better buck. Yeah. Well, I mean, like this four point here compared to hi hat, which one did you pick? Hi hat all day. You think? Yeah, for me. Well, I mean, not to shoot, I'm saying, for the bigger no i'm saying oh, I'm, that. I'm voting because that's a decent four point but that's not like a giant four yeah. point. yeah you know but like for charlie's or grandpa billy's <sighs> that's tough you know those what are, i mean those are big that, bucks and i bet it's the same age class it's old, i bet it's older than charlie's yeah Charlie, charlie's is only a three and a half year old deer yeah i bet mm-hmm. hi-hat's way older than charlie's but like grandpa billy's where you put that one in that race yeah that's tough because you got to pick that one, right? Yeah, it's tough, but he's so unique. He is like a unicorn trophy. He's like a, a deer that you're probably never going to see another one, other than yep. we know that gene pool is floating around there, so, so you seen might. two of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Jake and I saw this yeah, little offspring. Might be three. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was the exact same frame that Jake and I saw, because I wanted him to shoot it so bad. It was bigger than that one that he got. Mm-hmm. But and that wasn't. buck Jake got, we were looking at it today. I'm like, man, that buck is wide he was gonna he you know even you give him another season if you if he could make it two more seasons without somebody shooting that thing that'd be a nice buck i bet next year alone and no one's passing it yeah without a doubt no one's passing it yeah i mean there's some nice bucks in there i'm excited for you guys to have that rifle tag i think it's there's going to be some opportunity to get some nice bucks next year yeah well, hi hats top of the list, but I'm also competing with some other people on that, yeah, as well. So I feel like because of the history, that's an automatic win. It should be. I feel like that needs to be added to the contract. If you harvest hi hat, you automatically win. Yeah, I think should there be. should just be a rule that you have to shoot the first buck you see. Oh, <laughs> no, because no. well, imagine shooting that one <laughs> he, well, that he, we helped those other guys shoot. <laughs> Yeah, he's just trying to, because if he's not over there, he wants to win the blacktail one. So if we yeah. all come back with tiny little bucks, he's going to feel pretty good about his yeah, chances. If you guys all bring Spoon and Crockett's home, then yeah. he's good to go. Yeah. 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 Anyway, boys, it's been an hour and 35 minutes. We're setting records on yeah, this one. this was a good uh, time. But I appreciate it. It's always good to hang with you guys. And thanks for helping me pick out some hats. We're going to have some sweet swag for the sportsman show coming up. And, uh... You know, so hopefully, uh, you know, that stuff, that dark stuff didn't get you too creeped out. So, um, you know, pray about it. It's a, it's a big deal. So anyway, thanks boys. Yeah. Thank you, thank sir. You. Yeah. We'll see you next time. On the Outdoor Adventures podcast. Let's start a slow trail out for the music. Ba-da-da. 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 Ba-da-da.
John, you gotta get John, let's hear your vocals over there, buddy. Oh, he just says the slow rub on the microphone. Yeah. That's so creepy. <laughs> yeah, it's a creepy sound. You might as well just go. This is John. Dan, you're going to love the trail out on this one, buddy. <laughs> Good luck, man. <laughs>